Welcome to today's broadcast of Front Porch Talks. I'm Grayson Willis. And I'm Pastor Margaret Michael. And uh, thank you for joining us today. And today we are joined by Jen Omlocker. Hi, or, everybody. How are you, Jen? Good to have you today. Thanks for letting me be here. And uh, Jen Omlocker, known as some as Jen Lee Omlocker, <laughs> is uh, here to share her testimony today. So, Jen, just start out telling us about where you're from and about how you grew up. I am from the Valley, been here my whole life. I've pretty much been in church from age 15 on. I had a small hiatus in college, <laughs> then I came back. <laughs> yeah, my family is here. Um, I'm married, we've got two kids. You know, my husband is from the area. So, this is definitely our roots, our home. Yeah. So, Jen, um, you said that you, how old were you when you came to the church? Fifteen. Fifteen. So was that kind of your first experience of church? Yeah. When I was growing up, my grandma went to a Baptist church, and I remember, like, the three or four times that we went with her, you know, we got the lecture in the car of, you sit still, don't talk, don't make any noise, you'd be really good, and we'll take you for ice cream after, (laughs) (laughs) you know, um... I remember the people were fantastic, but I just remember it being a very strict, you could have heard a pin drop, Mm -hmm. you know, in the sanctuary. So she loved it. It was her home. She had amazing friends there. But as a child, it was not Mm -hmm. the same as when I started coming here. Yeah, I remember her. Yes. I did her hair. I remember. I could see everything. I could picture her in the car giving... The lecture, like, absolutely. You know, she was former military, and Graham liked things a certain way, and she wanted to make sure everybody was on point and (laughs) ready to go. So, yeah. That's great. So, when you got here, what was that experience like? It was actually, funny story, um, I wasn't brought by my family first. I was brought by the neighbor that lived across the street. Mm. I used to babysit her girls. And she was like, why don't you come to church with me one day? And I was 15. I was like, sure, okay. Yeah, great. So the first couple of times I came with her, I mean, it was very different. We were on Roosevelt Street then, so it was much smaller. And I still remember the carpet and the the smell of the old building. But it felt warm. It felt Mm. just, you know, like hanging out with people that were talking and Mm. moving during service. And then, you know, it kind of came full circle. My dad ended up marrying someone that was already coming here. Mm-hmm. And so we started coming as a family. And then wow. it really kind of transitioned into my home church, mm-hmm. you know. Yeah. Um, I try not to call it my church, but it's my home church. Yeah. You know, so. Yeah. That's great. Yeah. Well, it's cool to take ownership like that, too, to say, like, because it's all, we're the body of mm-hmm. Christ. We are the church. Anything else about your childhood that helped shape you and who you are now that you would like to share? I mean, my childhood was not normal, <laughs> but not, <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> like we're all recovering from childhood. <laughs> you know, my mom died when I was nine. And I think any child that experiences extreme sudden loss like that mm. is kind of thrust into the reality and the harshness of the world. Right. The best way I can describe it is, you know, once she passed, it was I all of the warm fuzzies of the world just kind of melted away. Mm-hmm. And I realized very quickly, okay, life is real. Right. Life hurts. You know, I had a little brother that I needed to look after. And um, so it was just me, my dad, and my brother for a long mm-hmm. time. 
And so that definitely shaped who I am today. Um, and subsequently, because I didn't go to church growing up, you know, I learned to grieve and process her death before God. Right. And then after coming to know God as a teenager, you have to redo that because mm. there's certain ways that he processes grief with you. Mm-hmm. You have to give it to him. You can't just hang on to it. Right. So that was a beautiful experience as well, you know, processing, reprocessing her death and giving the grief kind of to God and then learning to walk with him while he has it instead of me having it. So you learned about <clears throat> surrender mm-hmm. early on in your life. Yes, and I believe that that is why um, I love change. Mm-hmm. I embrace it. I welcome it because life's going to change whether you want it to or not. So either you get on board and go with it or you fight kicking and screaming the whole time and it's still going to change anyway. So to me, that's just wasted energy. I believe right. that it's just, you know, there's a reason and a purpose for everything. And if you trust him, if you truly believe what you're saying mm-hmm. and you trust him, then what's the point of fighting it? Right. Go with it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And don't we have to learn that over and over again? Do you Always. find yourself back like a in a daily that? basis. <laughs> <laughs> like, seriously, most days I'm a hot mess. And I'm like, why have I not understood this by now? You know? Yeah. It's like palm on the forehead. Like, Man. <laughs> Yeah, I'm sure he's up there shaking his head too. (laughs) Sorry, I promise one day I'll get it. But I think that, you know, it's just part of the walk. It's part of being, you know, it's like Adrian said, if you're not dead, you're not done. And if you're not dead, you're not done, you're not done changing. Yeah, and God can make such a... Uh, something beautiful out of the mess that we find ourselves yeah. in. He meets us in yes. the messy middle day after day. Yes. And yes. It's a, and, you know, I think back to the children of Israel when they ate manna every day. Like, he was trying to mm-hmm. show them, you have to depend on me daily. Mm-hmm. And sometimes we think we can, you know, we got this and we don't. We Not don't have a it. Little bit. We don't. No. Um, without him, we have nothing. <laughs> can you just pinpoint a time in your life when God just became so real to you like it has to be the first time but just a time that God became like wow Uh, I think it would be in high school um we ended up moving to Broadway and so I finished my junior and senior year in Broadway and I was definitely what I called my peak Christian moment as a Mm. teenager um and didn't really have a large circle of friends and so and I was brand new to the school so Mm. you know yeah that was awesome Um, But God sent this amazing girl who happened to be a year behind me, and she had been praying for a Christian friend, and we met at Meetrith Pole, and she heard me pray that morning, and she came up to me in the hallway later and talked to me, and we ended up becoming best friends. And I still, to this day, remember having conversations with her on the phone about how we were going to save the whole school. I mean, we were just (laughs) on fire, lit up, couldn't Uh. stop us. We started fasting over lunch on Wednesdays and we'd go in the back room of the library and pray and do devotions together and someone told me I don't know if it's true or if it still happens that kids were observing us and that that after we left kids continued to do that so I don't know if it actually happened but it's kind of cool to think it happened yeah so yeah wow that would definitely be a huge moment where he was very real and very very present yeah yeah stone of remembrance in your life Mm -hmm. yeah well, thank you for sharing that, Jen. And so you mentioned high school and your best friend and you praying and fasting on Wednesdays at lunch. 
So uh, talk about maybe after high school and, you know, how that fire, so to speak, for him just kind of continued after your teen years. Yeah, so like most teenagers, (laughs) I hit a small rebellious stage (laughs) just because of my life and uh, the amount of responsibility that was thrust upon me as a small child. I didn't do this until I got out of the house, out of high school, into college. And then it was like, whoa, wait a second. I don't have to worry about anybody but myself. Okay. (laughs) So I kind of did whatever I wanted to do. Mm -hmm. And the fire did not increase for God. I definitely had a moment where I was like, I just, just hang on a second. Let me try this. And then, so that, you know, with each new thing that I tried now, let me say, I was not, you know, like crazy wild. I didn't do all the horrible things that people are probably imagining right now. (laughs) But (laughs) we're talking like just going to Waffle House at three in the morning, you know, that kind of stuff. But with every new thing that I decided to do for me, to satisfy me, his voice got a lot quieter Mm. and a lot smaller and a lot further away. Mm. You know, and there were some situations where I definitely shouldn't be in. In those moments, I could still feel the conscious in the back of my brain saying, what are you doing? You Mm. should not be here. You should not be doing this. That didn't stop me from doing it. I definitely still walked out that rebellious stage. Mm -hmm. But it made the return much sweeter. Mm. It made my time of coming back and saying, okay, I'm done. I that's not me. I can't live like that. Please forgive what I have done and how far I have shoved you in the back corner. Mm. And I truly am grateful for that time because it makes me realize now if I start to slide a little or mm. if I start to get off track a little bit because I can tell what it's like and I remember what it's like for his voice to be quiet. Mm-hmm. And I don't want that anymore. Right. Yeah, that's good. You know, um, I think it was PK that said, if you know, if you feel like you're not hearing from God, go back to the last thing he told you. Yes. And I think that is such good advice, and it goes along with what you're talking about. It's when we sense that we're maybe not where we should Mm -hmm. be, that there's probably a little rebellion. Yes. Something. We're probably dealing with something. Yes. We're not dealing with something, actually. So what do you feel your greatest purpose in life is gosh what gives you the joy as far as my greatest purpose I don't know I ask myself that question every day I don't know every day I'm like what do you want me to do what am I supposed to be doing because I'm constantly as a people pleaser it's hard to turn that off sometimes with Mm -hmm. God that you don't have to be a people pleaser with God Mm -hmm. so sometimes I have to you know take a step back and realize that it's not about what I'm doing or where I'm at um, that brings joy to him I think for me, just as I've kind of walked through being uncertain of what my purpose is or my calling or whatever you want to call it, kind of realizing that I am best giving joy to others Mm -hmm. and turning negative situations into positive situations and not giving into other people's negativity, but showing them how if you just change your mindset, you won't be as miserable. Um, and I think all of that comes from my history, my past, you know, my walk with God and the ups and downs that it has taken. And just that, you know, I firmly believe that being negative, it just wastes energy. It's mm-hmm. not good for you. And so I think for me, I get the most joy and I hope God gets the most joy yeah. when I am encouraging others and when I am there for them, supporting them, mm-hmm. being a safe place for them to come talk and vent or you know, if there's something major happening, letting me know so that I can walk with them Mm -hmm. through it. 
Yeah. You're a people person. I am a very people person, very big people person. <laughs> <laughs> Details, yeah. not so much. No. Yeah, I think we're alike. Yep. And, and I just hear you um, really just saying, we talk a lot of, about being present and mm-hmm. what how important that is. Yes. Um, to be who God calls us to be <clears throat> where we're at. And yep. I see that in you, trying to turn the tide of, and it's in a, we're living in this time where there's, so much negativity it's so hard and it's it's hard even as a positive person to not get sucked into it right because let me be completely real i've got stuff everybody's got stuff right that is bad and frustrating and sad and you know makes you want to pull your hair out but if i concentrate only on that then i'm wasting the joy that god's given me you know i don't know this is something that god's just been showing me uh more and more that if everything around me would be great, I wouldn't need God. Right. You know, yes. and we want everything to be great, but <clears throat> when everything's great, we don't need God. Right. We think we don't. Right. And so being able to embrace our own pain, yeah. being able to embrace the things that are going on in our life, yeah. and trusting God with the details, but learning from that um, and being able to be there for other people, mm-hmm. knowing the book that... Um, one of Billy Graham's daughters wrote, it was called, um, on every pew sits a broken heart. Nice. And it's not just the pews. Mm-hmm. It's the grocery store. It's oh, at yeah. work and it's in the community yeah. at the ball field. And yeah. It's everywhere we go. And, uh, pastor Sam has made this comment many times that as <clears> believers, <throat> when the presence of the Lord lives in us, mm-hmm. like pastor Sam says, when we are with someone that maybe doesn't know Jesus, Mm-hmm. They're one person away from God. Right. You know? Yes. And that always encourages me mm-hmm. to be aware of the people that are around me. And I just see that in you, too. And that's mm-hmm. something that, you know, when Pastor Adrian was his message on Sunday about community, and mm-hmm. it hit home for me. And it was, you know, I, it's so important for us to be a community as a church, then it shouldn't stop there. It shouldn't end on a Sunday right. morning. You should take that and do community wherever you are, at your mm-hmm. workplace. You know, I have a new place that I'm working, and I absolutely love it. The people that I work with are fantastic, mm-hmm. but we all work on separate floors, and mm-hmm. so it's easy for us to feel very isolated and alone mm-hmm. and like nobody else understands what's happening. And so a few of the girls and I were talking, and they had expressed how alone they feel. And I said, well, ladies, why don't we have lunch together? couple times a month why don't we mm-hmm. all get together it is not a work thing it is a life thing it is us doing life together mm-hmm. we work together 40 hours a week we should know each other right um and we've started doing that and it's just been great seeing how excited they get to just have that time to be together more than just once a year when we do a big retreat or something and i think it's so important for people to take you know the community that they have when they're here at church and Present that. Be present in the community in Harrisonburg and Broadway and mm-hmm. Timberville and wherever you right. happen to be so that you're showing that light. You're showing that. Yeah, God, this is a training ground. Yeah. Um, it's not where it begins and ends, but this no. is um, where that we learn. And even within the church. Yeah. Like we could pass by people. Like yesterday, um, I was really hungry and it was past lunch. Mm-hmm. And I walked down. I was working in a room beyond the kitchen and I walked by the kitchen and Renee says, Hey, why don't you come in and eat? He had 
pig from a pig roast. Oh, gosh. He had corn on the cob. He had that wow. good rice with beans mm. that he makes. Mm-hmm. And all of a sudden, like, we were texting, hey, there's food. There's food. There's Come food. get it. <laughs> and what was really awesome was we had, uh, there was a few of us that were too busy to take, eh, we probably should have taken, you know, a lunch break and yeah. sat down somewhere. But, yeah. And I won't uh, divulge names. But <laughs> there was a few of us that said, we're too busy to have a sit-down lunch today, but we're going to stand up right here in the yeah. kitchen. And we just kind of gathered. And we That's had beautiful. the best conversation. Yes. And I'm like, man, I should just take lunch one day. Yes. Because it's that simple. Yes. It's that yes. simple. And it made a difference. I mean, the conversation actually brought things yeah. that helped us. Yeah. And it was just over food. Yeah. And it oftentimes does, but people don't think of that. Anymore, lunch break has become either a nuisance because you're interrupting your work day. Yeah. Or, you know frowned upon because you're stepping away for a minute and that's just because we're doers we want mm-hmm. to get you know stuff done yeah i think it's important well you guys were talking about you know how there's so much negativity in the world and you're a positive person and you try to stay out of that mm-hmm. and so you do things like having lunch with mm-hmm. the girls you work with a few times a month but what would you say through all the things you've been in your life is the thing you're most grateful for or you know Maybe something that's grown you the most. Oh, it's not one thing. It's a collective. I'm not one of those people that, you know, some people you talk to them and they can tell you down to the hour, the day that they were saved. I can't do that. I have no idea what day it was. I don't know. I know about the time frame, Mm -hmm. but I'm one of those people that God just slowly changes and maneuvers things in my life. And then eventually I'm like, oh, hey, wait, I'm different. You know? Right. So for me, it's not one thing. It's a collective experience. You know, my mom dying and then living without her and dealing with that. And then my dad remarrying and becoming a new family Mm -hmm. and being in a new school and then stepping away from God and then coming back to God and then getting married and having kids, having a miscarriage, losing Mm -hmm. one of them is another grief, you know, losing a lot of family members Mm -hmm. to cancer and other random events. Having cancer myself was a Mm -hmm. huge thing, you know, but each one of those things doesn't define me. They just help how I react to them, in my opinion, is what defines me. Mm -hmm. And so what I've learned from them defines me. And I believe that my definition is in God and how he chooses to use those events in my life. So it's not one thing that has made it, made me who I am today. It's all of them collectively and each lesson that I learned from them. So I'm extremely grateful for my past because there's no way I would be who I am today had I not gone through every single thing that I went through. Yeah, And, you know, I was sharing in Celebrate Recovery a week or so ago about just... You know, we all want to go back. Like, couldn't we go, if we went back and we could fix all those things. But I said, the problem is, if we went back and did those things right, we'd mess something else yeah. up. Like, it, there's no way. Yeah. And so we have to embrace yes. what has happened. Realize that God has allowed it. Yes. I'm not saying he created it or made it happen, but he allowed it. Mm-hmm. But he is so faithful to come back and redeem those things for his glory and for his honor and you know i'm not naive enough to believe that my story is the saddest one out there i know it's not i know i fully understand that there are people out there that are wrecked because of their past Mm -hmm. and you know they could hear this and think well how could she possibly be saying that she doesn't know what i've been through and you're right i don't 
but I do know that hanging on to grief and anger and your past and wearing it like a suit of armor Mm -hmm. is not healthy and it is not good for people in any way, shape or form. Mm -hmm. You have to be willing to let go of that and be you without that being your defining quality. Right. So true. So true. And as you were talking, Jen, I was thinking about something that I heard in a podcast recently that I listened to. It said, you know, people talk about what are you doing or what are you making? It said, what's making you? Mm -hmm. And you were talking about all those life experiences, how that shaped you Mm -hmm. into the person you are now. Not that those things weren't tough or difficult, but it just helped you make you maybe rely on God more and trust in him more. So it's a great perspective. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. I would agree with that. What do you see God doing currently in your life? Like up to date, like today, if someone was like, I just don't even believe, you know, the way the world is, like there's no way that God is in control. There's no way that any of this Christianity, like what do you see God doing today that just gives you hope? Little moments here and there. My dad for my birthday gave me a book and I cannot remember who wrote it, but it's called When God Winks at You. Mm. And it's about those little coincidences that happen, you Mm. know, when you're calling out and saying, I just, what next? Are Mm -hmm. you even up there? You know, Mm -hmm. and then something that you've been praying about, something even little just happens to happen. Yeah. You know, and I would say it's moments like that. And I don't have, you know, a list of them, but it could be as simple as, you know, I love when it rains. So on rainy days for me, mm. it's like, it's All my gift. Yeah. Down. You know, it's just, it's soothing or a sunset or running into a friend that you haven't seen in 10 years, but you've just recently been thinking about them really, really hard. You know? Yeah. I, it's hard for me personally to answer the bigger, well, how do you know God exists? I can't, I can't say it in a way that sounds right. <laughs> I'm like, I don't know. He just does. It's like, right. Can't you feel it? Like, what's wrong with you? And part of it is because I am super, super sensitive to people's feelings because of my past and because of everything I've been through. It's very difficult for me to say, you need to do this. You need to grasp onto this and you need to understand it because People were trying to do that to me when I was on my hiatus and it pushed me as far away as I could because I had to walk it out. I had, so for me, the only thing that I can do in those moments when people are doubting and saying that the whole, you know, God's not there and it's just be present and be real and don't be afraid to say, you know what, God did this for me today or I truly believe this was a God moment. You know, and you don't have to pull out the Bible and read a hundred passages of scripture because that's honestly probably not going to (laughs) help, but just being very true and transparent and present with your walk. Authentic. Yes. Yes. I think that personally speaks more to people than, you know, the big, large. Yeah. So you say that, and I just, I'm reminded of something that happened this week, and I think it's the kind of things that you're talking about, so I want to share it. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm ministering to a young girl. She's um, not a believer, and I went to her work and just picked her up mm-hmm. when she got off this one day this week, and uh, I said, I'm going to take you to see a friend, and um, she's not from the U.S., so we were talking about food on the way to see this friend, and I, I said, well, what would your favorite meal be? And she's like, oh, it would be beef and rice. And she starts naming these things that mm-hmm. she loves to eat, avocados. And so we get to see this friend who didn't know that we're coming, was not prepared for us. Well, they didn't prepare for us, but they were prepared. Yeah. Um, 
my friend says to her, are you hungry? And she goes, you know, she's trying to be real polite. Yeah. And I said, she's hungry. <laughs> <laughs> Why do you think I brought her here? I know you have food. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, the lady looks at her and goes, do you like beef? See, that's what I'm talking about. I went, wait, one minute. <laughs> she says, I made some rice. And the girl's eyes are getting big. And we walk in the house and she goes, an avocado. She said, would you like that? And she's like, yes. So she sits down and she has this great multigrain bread and she toasts it. She puts olive oil on it. And she's like, would you like some hummus on that? Let me tell you where this girl's from. She just, everything she loved. And I looked at that young girl who, a different religion. Yeah. And I looked at her and I said, do you understand the favor of God that is on you today? Like God's favor, like he sees you, he knows you. Like you can't miss those things. And we're talking about food. It's not like, you know, the seas parted. It's, here's an avocado. And it's a God moment. Yes. In another country, not where she grew up. And it was just this amazing moment. And the lady goes, well, you know. I was fixing some food. Now, the beef was filet mignon. Let me just add, already made, perfectly pink in the middle. Oh, my gosh. And she's like, you know, it was so strange. She said, an hour ago, I wanted to fix a potato, but God told me to fix rice. And she's like, well, God, if that's what you want me to eat, I guess I'll eat it. But I really wanted a potato. (laughs) I'll stop. Yeah, no, that's exactly what I'm talking about. And that's, you know, I... I think people forget that God is in those tiny little details, mm-hmm. too. Yeah. yeah, he is. And look at your life. That's what he did for you. Why would he not speak to other right? people that way? Yes. But we think we have to go out here and we have to know the whole Bible and how to lead someone to Christ uh-uh. in four steps. No. But it's being Jesus. Uh-huh. Like, we are the army that he has yes. sent to rescue others. Yes. And Jesus saves. We don't do that. But the rescue yeah. is a relationship. Yeah. I mean, it's just... So this young girl is driving to the grocery store the next night, driving to the grocery store. And I told her a story about me being different. Like someone had just talked to someone in my past. Someone from our church had talked to someone from my past. And they're like, we're talking about two different girls, <laughs> two different women. It can't be the same person. I'm like, oh, it's the same person. So I'm telling her that. And she so seriously looked at me and said, so how, how did you change? And I was able to tell, get, yeah. share my testimony with yeah. her about Christ and how he came into my life and how I fought it. Even when I came yes. to church, I sat on the back pew for six yes. months. It was like, Jesus, there's no way he'd save me. Yes. Um, and see, it wasn't some generic like thing you read off of a card. It's your story. Yeah. You can't pull somebody out of the water without equipment. Yeah. And you can't just buy the equipment. you got to use your story. And we can't be ashamed of it. No. Um, I am all kinds of awkward. And most days, I'm a mess. <laughs> But you know what? I own it because it's endearing to some people. <laughs> and so, you know, it helps Absolutely. building relationships. It's all for Jesus. That's right. Mm-hmm. I'll, be, God. I'll be offered right. for Jesus. Mm-hmm. Yeah, right. Like he gave us that. Well, thanks for joining us today on Front Porch Talks, Jen. Is there anything in closing that you haven't shared already or something that we haven't asked you already that you'd like to share? Nothing in particular other than, you know, I think I'm at a time in my life where I'm trying to embrace just me being me and being real with who that is. And so I would just encourage people to do that. Own where you are in your life, wherever that may be. There's not some easy button to make 
you know, life completely smooth and perfect. And I think that that's purposefully done that way. Mm -hmm. You know, you need to walk out what you have happening. Um, And that doesn't mean walk it out by yourself. It means, you know, allow people to interject themselves into your Mm -hmm. life and accept that some people may only be there for a season and some people may be there for life. But take what you can and learn from each moment that you've got. I just in closing, just one thought. Um, someone told me one time when I was going into a job interview, they said, when you go into that job interview, be who you are, because whoever you say you are in that interview, you will have to live up to that person. Right. And just being unique, being authentic, yes. and being real yes. is so important in this world, because the world craves, in a world of so much um, yes. facade and yeah. all of that, people are just craving real. real. Yeah. And so let's be real. Absolutely. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Let's that, right. That'll be the motto for the day. Just be real. Well, thank you. <laughs> thank you for joining us, Jen. We've enjoyed thank having you. you. Thank you for listening to today's broadcast of Front Porch Talks. We pray that Jen Omlocker's testimony has been a half hour of hope for your life. May God bless. Front Porch Talks is sponsored by Harrisonburg First Church of the Nazarene in partnership with Sunshine Ministries.